We welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. Revelations 2 and 1 starts out. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that does what? Holdeth the seven stars, which are these angels, these pastors, in his right hand, whom walketh in the midst of the what? The seven golden sticks are what? They're the seven churches. Christ walketh in the midst of the seven churches. So the churches that were founded by Paul during his missionary journey, these are the churches that Christ is coming back and checking on, okay? Christ is checking on churches that were started and formulated by God. All churches aren't started by God. So Christ is not walking in the midst of every church. Because every church is not founded by God. I saw two butch lesbians getting married in a church the other day. That church was not founded by God. 200 people got together to celebrate the union of two women. That church, Christ, he's not walking in the midst of that church. That church was not founded upon are founded by Christ. He only walks among the churches that he founded. Revelations 2 and 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them that say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And you've borne or persevered, and you've had patience. And for my name's sake, you labored, and you have not fainted. So Christ is complimenting this church because he says, you've done great works. You labor. You've been patient. You can't stand evil and those people that are doing it. And thou hast tried them that say they're apostles. So you've got discernment and you're calling out those that are liars that are saying that they are apostles. Y'all know they were doing this way back then. AD 5052, I think 54, when this church was founded. AD 52, I think. They were doing this after death, 52, 52 years after Jesus died, walking around saying that they are apostles and they're not. So these men, this, this particular church was trying them, the Bible says, and found them liars, using discernment, trying the spirits like the word of God tells us. And then they've persevered and been patient for his namesake. They labored and they have not fainted. So he's complimenting them. Amen. This is a picture of the church in Ephesus. This is what it looks like now. But of course, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a large church. It was growing. The church was uh, 150 years old. That the church lasted, I believe, from AD 52 to AD 200, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But the, the church, they kept uh, the apostles, different ones, kept checking on the church. They would raise up people to go check them on the church. This is uh, Timothy and different ones that were raised up, and then they would raise up other elders, and Paul visited the church several times to make sure it was going on, you know, it was going good. So this was a very important church in Ephesus. Uh, these were the Ephesians, and then, you know, after Paul had not been there for many years, he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. That was the letter he actually wrote to them, just checking on them and, and encouraging them and admonishing them and teaching them the way that they should go. Uh, so this church was very dear to Paul and also to the other uh, disciples, the, the apostles. Um, so this is what it looks like now. It's just ruins now, of course, but uh, it had a good run. 
The church at Ephesus carried strong beliefs and maintained their position in an evil time. They held fast to their callings. And when I say evil time, y'all, they were in a time where the largest theater there was to Diana was actually built uh, right, right, right up the street from them. And this is where they actually worshiped the goddess Diana. They say that fell from heaven and um, they built a big statue and, and, and had an amphitheater to Diana. Y'all remember even in the word when Paul wanted to go in there and preach and his buddies told him, no, don't, you, don't, don't go in there and preach. And they kept him from actually going in there because he would have been killed in there. Uh, because these folks were maniacs. They worshiped uh, uh, this, this Diana figure um, and believed that it was the all-seeing God in female form. Um, so this, was, th- this is what they had to deal with at Ephesus. They had to preach against that false, those false teachings and all the false folks walking around believing in Diana. And y'all know it's hard to preach without a physical Bible. I mean, they had like manuscripts and different things and trying to convince folks. And these folks was like, no, Diana is it. And I mean, these guys all persevered and had to teach at this time. So, so, so Christ is complimenting them, telling them, man, you, you, you kept strong beliefs and you maintain your position in an evil time. They held fast to their calling. So they never changed their position when it came to uh, what they believe. Second Thessalonians 2 and 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by what? Or our epistle. So the scripture is telling us, hold fast. Look at somebody and say, hold fast. Stand fast and hold the traditions. Do not be moved. The traditions that you have been taught. Even when false prophets and teachers arose, they were able to discern and try them with the word of God. This is the job of a church. Everything I'm reading now is what the church is supposed to do. So when false prophets, false teachers arise, you're supposed to be able to discern them by the word of God. How do we judge them? We judge them by their what? Their fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at, I mean, the day Tyler Perry walking here and lay hands on me, you know it's a wrap. You know to start packing your stuff up, and Lord, we're going to seek you for another fellowship. Because the candlestick is gone. You know it. You know, you know God has nothing to do with that. So you got to be able to discern. You got to be able to see the man appointing a pastor over his church that's not his wife, a female, and they going to pastor together. You know it's a wrap, man. Baby, get your stuff. That's if you survived the preacher show and him cussing in the pulpit. They were able to discern and try them by the word of God. 1 John 4 and 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but do what? Try the spirits, whether they are of God, Because many what? Many false prophets are gone out unto the world. Now, the false prophets don't make the real ones false. The Bible is telling you back then there were false prophets. The devil's going to always have a counterfeit for everything. And he's going to always bring the counterfeit alongside the real thing. Always tries to get them together. You ever notice that? Always tries to get them together. 
Simon the sorcerer. They, 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 you know, they are speaking in tongues so that the other language, I mean, the people from the other tongues and languages could understand them. And when they laid hands on them, they got the gift to be able to do that so that they could communicate like that. And man, Simon the sorcerer was standing there like, man, this is cold-blooded. I want to be able to do this. And the devil was trying to get someone that wanted what they had, but had, a, had the wrong motive. Tried to get them right next to it. The Bible said he believed and started hanging out with them. But God always shows up to counterfeit. Yes, he does. The woman in the, in the book of Acts that was following them. These are the men of the most high. And these are the these are powerful men of God. She was trying to join with them. The counterfeit always wants to join with them. But the apostle looked back at her and said, girl, get away from me. I know what you're trying to do. The sacred and the profane cannot coexist. Amen. We're not having a, a, a two lines, a line for prayer and a line for crystal ball readings. That's what folks are doing now. Folks read their, folks read their horoscope before they go to church. Oh, let me see if it's going to be a good day at service. I'm a Sagittarius, so let me see. You better not be reading. Look at somebody and say, you better. Look at them and say, you better not be reading no horoscope. Like the old folks say, it's horror scope. You're letting voodoo run your life. Voodoo ain't never done good by nobody. Listen to the name, voodoo. But believe not every spirit. Try the spirits whether they are God. Because many false prophets, even back then, had gone out into the world. This church in Ephesus, in Ephesus while patiently uh, awaiting the return of Christ, they did not faint, but continued to labor for the work of the Lord. So they continued to convince people that the gospel was true. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So the Bible is telling you that there's nothing wrong with the work of the Lord. We're supposed to work. Amen? Always work. We work on our marriages, and that's the work of the Lord. We work on our families. We work on other folks. We try to help other people. That's the work of the Lord. Amen? Loving our brothers and sisters, treating them right. All of these things, we're working. Even this building, building, uh, folks come up here painting and doing all this. All this is the work of the Lord so we can have a place to come and learn some things about the Lord that we can share with others. That's the work. We are to love the work of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with loving the work of the Lord. But then Christ gets into his rebuke part and says, nevertheless, whenever he say that, bad news is coming. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, meaning I, I got a problem with you. Because thou hast left thy first love. He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly. And I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou do what? Repent. Y'all, that's the scariest passage in the world to me. 
I mean, when I was preparing this message, I was like, Lord, just give me a vision of the candlestick. and Let me just feel it. Let me feel a little heat. Let me know that it's still going. Because I don't want to lose that. Man, I'm serious about this. I don't know how these folks just go crazy and do their own thing and then read this scripture. Well, they don't read Revelation. It's too scary. Yeah, that's scary. He said, man, you better repent. Go back to what you was doing or else I'm going to come and not slow either. He said, I'm going to come unto thee what? So you ain't going to be out here hurting folks. So I'm going to come and snatch it quickly out of the place. Except you do what? Man, that's some scary stuff, isn't it? Hey, man, you don't have to be scared if you do right. Just do, look at somebody say, do right. Hey, man, and you won't get your candlestick snatched. Hey, man. Ephesus lost their zealous love for Christ and loving his way. They were going through the motions of doing the work without truly loving the work. Man, how many of y'all been to a church that's got 500 employees? Somebody, it's cars always out there. Cars always in the front. Some, the lights always on. They always, they're feeding somebody over in Russia, India. I mean, taking care of everything. They always got something. Some, something's going on. The church is busy. Folks can't wait to go. Oh, I can't wait to get in there on Sunday. They just, they're all in there, and the Spirit of the Lord isn't. And you know the Spirit of the Lord isn't in there because all their homes are a wreck. Don't have no fruit. In a dried up building. Got the work going. I mean, got. I mean, always hiring. They love the work of the Lord. Oh, yeah, I love the work of the Lord. They love the name tag and the badge and the usher. Y'all know the old mean usher. The, just mad. Why the usher always mad? Looking for something. <laughs> Won't you listen to the sermon sometime? No, she up there just, I, I, I need to work. I need to find something that's out of order. Let me see. Somebody, no, uh, I see something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you need to move over right here. Man, will you get over that badge? All in Walmart with it on. Uh, May I help you? No, may I help you? I'm the one with the badge. That's a church. That's your badge. You can't help me in here. You have no power in here. They love the work. They love choir. I mean, choir rehearsal don't nobody miss. Especially if a homosexual is over it. If a homosexual is over, you better not miss. He gonna spend 15 minutes talking about you. They love to work. Work going forth. But Proverbs 16, 25 said, there's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of what? The seemingly endless battles against paganism and false teachings can make you grow weary. You can get so used to defending the faith until you on defend the faith autopilot. When you get in front of somebody, you defend the faith. When you by yourself, mm-hmm, it's imperative that we never forget why we are laboring for the Lord. The why keeps us in love with his way and not our work. Can't forget the why. Why are you doing it? 
Why are you doing it? You're doing it to make a better world for your family. So you can't skip over the family and try to do something for the Lord. What good is it you doing something for the Lord if it don't translate to a better family? Galatians 6 and 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap, if we keep going though, if we faint not. Christ tells them to remember and repent, which means to turn back to the way things were, or else he will end their work. Acts 26 and 20, but show first unto them at, uh, of Damascus and at Jerusalem, and thereout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should do what? Repent. Turn around and turn to God. And then when you repent and turn around, what do you do after that? You do works, meet, equal to your repentance. So you don't repent and then go back to it. You repent and then you do works to prove that you repented. Anybody can say, I'm sorry. You learned that at school. Somebody hit you, I'm sorry. Man, you didn't mean that because you hit me again. It's not about I'm sorry. It's about repenting, meaning turn from it. Stop. Look at somebody say, stop doing it. That's repentance. Works me for what? Repentance. Then I love Christ because now he shows you that he's still engaged with this church. So he basically rebuked them, told them that they was jacked up, but he tells a man, just repent, just do right. And then he remembers something. Man, I love this. He remembers something and says, you know what? But there's one thing you're doing that I'm, I'm feeling. He says, this one thing that you have, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I what? I also hate. Now this text has baffled scholars. Man, nobody really knows who the Nicolaitans were and where they came from. They don't really understand, but they do know that this particular group had something to do with trying to sin and be saved at the same time. Okay, so this was a group that somehow tried to merge the sacred with the profane, tried to bring something from the world into the church and utilize it and God didn't want that. God wanted to keep the church separate from the world, okay? So the Nicolaitans did this in some manner. No one knows the exact manner that it was done, but they do know that it had to do with some kind of merging of something sinful with something sacred, okay? The current practices and teachings of the Nicolaitans are found in the erroneous doctrine of salvation by a perpetual forgiveness that is independent of a change in our behavior. Perpetual forgiveness. I'm preaching forgiveness and grace. I'm not telling you to change. I'm saying just use God's grace to fix it. Oh yeah, these four, these are the masters of that doctrine. And you know it because of who attends their churches and who follows them. Right? You know it just by who they appoint and who they, I mean, at Bishop Blake, who's over the churches of God in Christ, this, this particular man had a banquet, and at his banquet, he had Samuel Jackson speak, Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, the one who did the show, what was the witch show? 
American Horror Story and did a full sex scene with another woman just last year. Yeah, that's his church. And T.D. Jake, Lord help. You already know. He won't even make a movie unless a man with no shirt on is in it. That's a requirement. I mean, you have to walk in the, in the casting. In the <laughs> you, you can't wear a shirt. You, you got a driver. You can't even wear it in your car. I need you driving up with no shirt on. Sex scenes in his movies. I mean, come on. These are the, the, the leaders. If you say sin, Joel Osteen, he might pass out. He might just blank, bleak out. These dudes, I mean, they are master Nicolaitans. They have learned the art of how to get rich and famous without preaching anything that will truly benefit people. They can make you feel good. The Bible says these are the sorts that creep into the houses of silly women, so you know who they following is going to be. It's going to be women. And it's going to be women, what? Laden with sins that have made a bunch of mistakes. Looking to feel better about their mistakes. Woman, thou art loosed. Instead of stop. Won't you stop? You know, if you don't have sex before marriage, you won't get pregnant. That's, that's easy. Ain't that easy? If you stop that part, you'll stop a whole lot of the other part. You know you won't contract an STD if you celibate. You know that you, know, you won't have to struggle trying to raise children without a man if you don't have sex with men. You know that? You, you really know that. that. Why ain't that being preached? Why don't they ever say that? Flipping through the channels last night and Prince was on. Sign of the times. That was back when I was in 8th grade. No, 11th grade. When that, song, that album came out. Sign of the times. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I'm flipping through the channel. I saw the sign of time, so I, I, I left it on there for a second just to see. Just, you know, sometimes my curiosity gets to me. And I forgot. I watched this video way back when I didn't know nothing, and I knew he was demonic then. When I saw Purple Rain, I knew he was possessed. He did stuff in Purple Rain that was just demonic. Remember? He made the little puppet talk with clairvoyance. That's demonic. Passed his hand over the fire. Remember he was playing with the fire? He was doing stuff that the Bible said don't do just to show you how demonic he was. Turned on the music when he was with the girls. She's like, what is that? Oh, that's somebody crying backwards. What? <laughs> I mean, it's time to go. Are you kidding? She stayed. I'm out of that. Somebody what? Just possessed. So I'm sitting there and, you know, and I can't tell you how many folks like EX Ministries, follow EX Ministries online or whatever. And every now and then the Lord will tell me, just click on them. I click on that thing and it's just a big prince. We miss you on that. I said, but folks, they're so crazy. That's just crazy. But when I flipped it on this prince, he was singing this song called The Cross. And he's telling the people there ain't going to be no more blackness and no more dying or whatever because he's coming. So make sure you have the cross. But I began to watch and I was like, man, he's so, he's so confused. And every person that follows him that I know is confused like that. Like when I was in high school, there used, used to be the rumor. I always find a girl that was really into Prince because she's going to be a freak. 
That was a part of some dude's max. Say, who your favorite singer? <laughs> Luther Vandross? Oh, okay. <laughs> who your favorite singer? Prince? <laughs> Girl, what's your number? Because it's going to be all tonight. I'm going to be playing when doves cry when I drive up. Prince would do all the work for you. But I mean, I watched as much as I could, and I told my wife, I guess my spiritual sensitivity lately has been on high. But I could watch but a few seconds of it, but I, I began to just think about people in their condition and how this dude is so messed up in his mind that he really thinks he can preach the cross in his condition. Sin sick till he died of sin. Nicolaitism uh, is also the idea that Christ came to forgive our sins, but victory over sinful lifestyles is impossible while we are living in the world in a physical body. So you have to live a sinful lifestyle all the time because it's impossible to live free from sin in this life. That's what, that's what they believe. Not saying that you can live perfect, but I'm talking about life styles. See, when it's a lifestyle, now you're saying that the homosexual is vilified or the homosexual, he can't help it. He was born that way in that condition and he can't be delivered. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So this is why all of these guys up here back the LGBT, every one of them. In the Kojic meeting this past year, men carrying purses, furs, switching, walking, yeah, they just all just, I mean, it's not even hidden anymore. They run that meeting. Finally, the Nicolaitans also believe that the sacred and profane can, profane can coexist, and the way to reach people is to please them and make them feel good. These are the sorts that creep into the houses of silly women, laden with sins. Ever learn it. Never make them feel good, they'll never learn. If your child disobeys and does something wrong and you give them candy every time, they will never learn. You're supposed to kick that butt. Amen. Oh, boy. But you want them to do right, so you have to punish them. That's the only way you teach anybody. A dog keep peeing on your floor. You ain't going to give them a treat. That means keep doing it. Amen. So if you're making people feel good in a sinful state, they're going to keep doing it. I'm preaching in this place. Folks scared of this message because they favorite preacher's picture is up there. And that's why I left it up there so long. We're talking about no men here. We're talking about spirits behind men. Jesus then encourages the church at Ephesus. I love this. By agreeing with their stand against the Nicolaitans doctrine of abusing the grace of God. When the spirit, when this spirit enters the church, the work is what? You don't have to take this candlestick out. When Jesus says that, that's just symbolic. I'm going to take it out. But really, you took it out. You stopped it when you entered this erroneous doctrine in. When you mixed the sacred and the profane, the sacred was no longer sacred. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What did he say? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Therein. This is a good message. He that emphasizes 
uh, he then emphasizes his rebuke by saying that those that have an ear to hear will be the ones that will overcome. In other words, it's possible to overcome because he has what? So he's saying it's possible to overcome. So this Nicolaitan doctrine is a lie. You can be free from sin. You can live better. You can be delivered. It is what? Possible. I don't care if you grew up around nothing but alcoholic. You don't have to be one. I don't care if you grew up around nothing but fornicators. You don't have to fornicate. I don't care if you grew up without a father. That don't mean you a deadbeat. Look at somebody say it's up to you. It is. Look at somebody say it's possible. John says, 1633, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye may have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good, good cheer, because what? I have what? Overcome the world. He did it to set an example that you, look at somebody say, you can do it too. Christ is merciful to the church and offers it an opportunity to remain illuminated. However, it's totally up to the pastor that's guiding the flock. Uh-oh. Yeah, this, this is, this is, I'm about to put pressure on myself, but this is real. It's up to the pastor that's guiding the flock. The letter isn't to the church. The letter is to the angels of the church. The letter is to the pastors of the church. And he must lead the church into repentance or his candlestick will be taken from him. It's the pastor. If I start bringing movie stars and secular artists and stuff in here, I just change the church. And I change the type of people that's going to be attracted to it. Most of you will leave and a new crop of folks will come in with itching ears. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So it's up to the pastor to hold the line and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep God's stuff sacred. Amen. Psalm says it's best, Psalms 12 and 8. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are what? Exalted. Summary. We are living in a time when the work of the Lord is far more popular than truly living for the Lord. I mean, we have the largest churches in church history right now. The work of the Lord is definitely more important to people than living for the Lord. There are plenty of churches that meet and come together to talk about God and the Bible, but many of them are shells of their old selves. Back in the day, they used to build families, but now most of their families are breaking up. They used to put their children's well-being before their own, but now most of their children have departed from the faith. They used to call out sin and stand against it, but now they hide and harbor sin secretly. Though they defend the faith and what they believe when it comes to unbelievers and doubters, they have truly lost their love for God and for his way of doing things. Christ is calling for these pastors to repent and have their congregations refocus on what was once important. Even though they stand against those that teach frustration of God's grace, they still lack the zeal for God that they once possessed. Their first love or first zeal for God was when their own desires were not their focus. Sadly, this is the condition of many modern churches. 
The church was once an extension of the family, but to many it has become a replacement for the family. Just as Christ spoke to the angel of the church in Revelations, he is speaking to pastors of churches today. Repent or else you will be operating a church that is absent of the light of Christ. Revelations 2 and 7, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to him that overcometh will I give to do what? Eat of what? The tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise. So I was reading all of this and I was like, Lord, I don't want the candlestick. Lord, keep us where you want us. Keep us, you know, Lord, we want to do it the way you want it. We want to do it. And the Lord assured me, say, you are. It's like you're doing it. So what you worried about? All you got to do is what you're supposed to do. I mean, do what you're supposed If you do what you're supposed to do, you don't have to worry about a candlestick leaving. I was like, well, Lord, I want to make sure it's still burning. God said, it's going to keep burning as long as you want it to burn. It stops burning when you stop caring about it burning. And if, you keep, if, if we're concerned and we want his spirit here, his spirit's going to be here. All we got to do is works, meat of repentance. And I take this, I take it seriously what I have to do. And you should too. Your family's here. Your children are here. So we don't want to be a shell of who we used to be. We don't want to forget why we're doing this. That's why I always talk about family. That's why I always talk about marriage. That's why I always talk about staying together, working it out, building your relationship, even not just with your husband and your wife, but with your family family. Your mother, your father, I, I always preach that. Half of this church has stood before me and I've told you to fix your relationship with your parents. Over half, because you need them. You need them and you don't need to let, you don't want the work you're doing to hurt them. You don't want them to feel that you've got something that they don't have. Oh, I'm preaching now. These are the folks that raised you. These are the folks that were there for you. They may not be saved, but you pray for them. You don't have to tell them. Pray for them and live right in front of them. Me, mama, you, need, you know you need to get saved, old heathen. You should drop dead for that, for even thinking that. So I preach that to everyone. Man, you better get your, you can't go no further in God until you fix that. Because this is all about loving one another esteeming others better than ourselves. So we don't want to get to where the work becomes more important than people because the work is for people. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective from G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of Adamant Believers Council in Grand Prairie, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas, 76124, or donate online at www.exministries.com. Dot com.